There's many narrations that speak about a planet that appears in the sky. Uh, it's a sign of the rise of the Qa'im. Uh, this planet uh, has uh, two moons or two accompanying comets. It's described as a red planet, a planet that terrifies the Arabs. It is the star of the Qa'im and it is the red planet and the red planet is Mars and Mars has two moons. Uh, one moon is called uh, fear and the other moon is called uh, terror. And uh, those are uh, the two moons that accompany uh, the red planet. And so the red planet's the cotton that appears uh, in this day and age in order to uh, take vengeance uh, for Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. And it is the, uh, the planet uh, that was identified with war and with bloodshed. And it is the uh, planet that um, is the soul of the cotton of the family of Muhammad. That, that's amazing. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان العين الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد إذن والمهدينا وسلم تسليما السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته my dear sister Alia. وعليكم السلام ورحمة الله وبركاته وصلك. It's so good to have you here. I'm very excited about being here. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about an interesting topic. And that is astrology and religion, and in particular, uh, Islam. So we have these two sciences, Alia. We have uh, these two sciences that sound similar, and they're often confused with one another. We have astronomy and astrology. And both of them have to do with the study of the heavenly bodies or the, the solar system, the sky, the planets, the stars, uh, but in different ways. So astronomy is what you would study if you go to university, for example, and you take a course in astronomy. Um, it is the study of the planets the stars, the sun, the moon, black holes, the galaxies, comets, meteors, um, as, as objects that are in the sky, a scientific approach and look uh, at them, okay? Mm. And then you have astrology, which is an ancient science, okay? And it is similarly to astronomy, the study of the stars, the planets, the sun, the moon, the heavenly bodies, the meteors, the comets. But it's not a study of what material these planets are made of, for example, uh, like, in, like in astronomy. They don't wonder in astrology or seek to know whether the planet uh, can sustain life or not, or what types of gas exist on the planet, oh, how dense the atmosphere is, or, um, you know, studying, for example, like the size of the planet or anything like this. 
but rather what they're studying and what they're interested in in astrology is to know the particular effects that these planets have on human beings and animals and on uh, events here on the planet Earth. Right. Okay? And, and so that is the difference between astrology and astronomy. Astronomy and astrology, they both agree to a certain degree that these heavenly bodies affect the planet uh, and they affect all creatures on the planet. For example, in astronomy, uh, they believe that the sun is responsible for life on Earth, right? Because it provides warmth, uh, it provides light, which is necessary for uh, plants to grow and for creatures to live. It, um, they believe that the moon, for example, when there is a a full moon that it has effects on the the tides of the ocean and the sea. Okay, so they do believe that the the heavenly bodies, to certain degrees, affect natural events on the planets. Okay, but in astrology, they take it a step further. And they believe that depending on what date you were born, your personality is affected by those stars that were in the sky at that very hour where you were born. So they believe that the heavenly bodies, just like they affect the waves of the ocean, that they also affect the personality of the human being. And that they determine uh, to a large degree uh, the events, the hardships, uh, the wealth, uh, the um, destiny of a human. Okay? That the stars are responsible for that. And that's why, um, and, and this is not a new science. Uh, this is a very ancient and old science. Uh, that has been in existence for almost as long as man himself has existed. And even in this very day and age, there are many people who continue to watch um, astrologers predict world uh, events and uh, basically read your, your horoscope, whether on television shows or uh, in uh, astrology shops where they get paid or at fairs where they might get paid to uh, read your, uh, your future through the stars. Yeah. Uh, we also know that astrology it paid it played a very significant role uh, in magic, okay, because uh, and in religion. So, in magic, they believed in the same things that astrologers believed in, but they took it a step further in the sense that they believed that these heavenly bodies that were responsible for certain events that would take place in a person's life, uh, lifespan, uh, that you could appeal to these heavenly bodies um, and offer them sacrifices 
or uh, communicate with them in certain ways or chant certain phrases and it would cause them to change the predestined effect that they had ordained for particular people. And they also believed that these powers that were coming from these heavenly bodies could be captured um, if you created certain statues or talismans underneath the light of that particular uh, star or heavenly object that is in the sky. Okay. And so the magicians, uh, a big part of their magic was the creation of protective talismans or talismans that were responsible for um, attracting a spouse or for a particular thing. Do you understand? Yes. Yeah. And they would do that all by capturing the rays of light that came from these heavenly bodies while uh, they were in the sky above. And some magical practices also involved the actual summoning of the heavenly body uh, itself. And there are uh, spells of this. Uh, there is a, a many um, magical books uh, that were written by Arabs over the centuries uh, and even thousands of years ago. Um, and also Indians. There's a very famous uh, Indian magician uh, who is well known for his uh, magical writings and even the Arabs and the Greeks, uh, they took a lot from him. Um, he was, uh, he offered, um, mad the, the, the basically he would teach in his writings or Greeks who learned from him would write in their writings magical spells uh, that they learned from him in which he created statues underneath uh, particular stars or constellations uh, that would uh, give these statues magical properties. Uh, some of those magical properties would be, for example, that uh, if people were to stare upon the statue, uh, all fear would, would leave them and they would be in a state of ease and in a state of peace. Um, other magical properties that would be transferred to the statues from the stars would be uh, the ability, the statue would basically come alive uh, huh. or would uh, speak certain phrases or be able uh, to move. Uh, there are other spells whereby the magicians would uh, basically offer uh, particular blood sacrifices, uh, and uh, they would say that the planet itself would manifest in a spirit form uh, in front of them, and they would be able after that to uh, ask the planet to do its bidding, and it would uh, grant them that. So you have you have uh, magicians using astrology and considering it to be the center and most important core of all of the sciences of magic. Uh, you have uh, mankind from the beginning of human history being fascinated uh, with the stars and obsessed with obtaining uh, news or prophecies uh, of the future uh, from these stars or being able to read the events that would take place in a person's life by uh, staring at the stars. 
you had kings in human history, and this is um, this is something which you can read about and has been uh, preserved in the in the books and in the tales of the kings and queens that ruled the various empires, uh, as, uh, whether it was the ancient Egyptian. Uh, civilization or the Babylonians or the Akkadians or the Phoenicians um, or the Romans or the Greeks. So there were always, the, the kings would always take an interest and have uh, right next to their advisors, uh, they would have an astrologer uh, who would work for them. And their job would simply be to look into the stars and tell if uh, it was a good time to uh, go into battle mm. or to make certain political decisions. Uh, they would see if there was any incoming danger on the empire by gathering this information uh, from the stars. And the astrologers would usually be the right hand advisors uh, or the hand or the wazir to the uh, king himself. Yes. There are also religions that were developed around the worship of these celestial bodies, these heavenly bodies, these planets. You have the Mayans and you have the Aztecs um, who all as a part of their architecture, their, as a part of their um, civilization and their religious beliefs, they had uh, adopted and depicted the heavenly bodies um, in their culture. Um, and they used to appeal to certain celestial events that would take place in the sky uh, as a means to uh, gain power or please the gods. Uh, for example, they would uh, offer sacrificing uh, sacrifices, human sacrifices at the top of the pyramid when there used to be a... Um, um, an eclipse that would take place. Uh, and this is depicted in movies even in modern day, like the uh, movie uh, Apocalypto by uh, Mel Gibson. And it recently even came out in the news uh, that uh, a few years back, it came out in the news that Ronald Reagan, uh, who was uh, one of the uh, presidents of the United States, uh, actually had an astrologer uh, who worked in the White House and oh. he believed on her prophecies and heavily, uh, him and his wife heavily relied upon her. So you have in ancient times, kings relying on these astrologers and you also have in modern times up till now, even though it's something that's not highly publicized, you have the kings and the king, uh, queens, the prime ministers and presidents of countries relying on uh, astrologers to, uh, to help them navigate uh, their kingship or their term uh, in power. And uh, you, when we look at the religions of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, uh, usually one automatically assumes due to certain hadiths uh, like, um, you know, uh, like the hadith that the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, and his family said, whereby he said, um, 
you know, that the astrologers have lied, even if they told the truth, right? And other narrations that indicate that is something that is either haram or not liked that a person, um, you know, or something that is hated by God, that a person rely on the science of the uh, stars. Right. And uh, it is, astrology is usually grouped up in the, um, you know, the same category and astrologers are kind of grouped in the same category as um, magicians and fortune tellers and uh, people of this nature that are highly condemned and uh, also the Bible says must be put to death. Uh, and that's why you have the woman who summons the body or the soul of Samuel uh, for the king Saul. Uh, in the in the Bible, she has to kind of like uh, do it in secret. And even Saul, when he visits her, uh, he has to also uh, kind of cover his face and do it in secret, lest the people uh, recognize that a king of Israel was relying on a magician. But yet we find that in the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad and in the history of the prophets and the messengers, uh, the science of astrology was a real science that the prophets and the messengers confirmed uh, had a basis in reality. It was not just some made-up mumbo-jumbo that uh, was created by the devil, but rather it was an actual factual science. Wow. Yes. Then we have narrations that state explicitly that the knowledge of the stars uh, originated with the successor. Uh, it was basically given to mankind with the successor of Enoch. Uh, other people, they say that it was Enoch who was the first one who uh, marked the movements of the stars and correlated it with events that were taking place uh, on earth and was able to navigate through the science, write books about it and uh, dissipate it, you know, to, to mankind. We have narrations that state also, Muhammad and the family of Muhammad say that the science was a reliable science and that it's origin was a prophet and that prophet basically gave this knowledge to his people when he went and he called his people towards god and they said to him we will never believe in you other narrations identify this prophet as joshua the son of noon okay and some other narrations say no it's impossible it was a different prophet who existed much before Um, that, but uh, the general consensus is that it was Joshua, son of Nun. Interesting. And basically, uh, they say we're, so it's one of these people that, that, that Joshua and his army conquers. Uh, they refuse to believe in him. Uh, so unless he tells them the secrets of the birth dates and the death dates. And so uh, Joshua prays to God. And God causes this cloud uh, to this heavy rain cloud to surround them uh, in the valley. And he takes all of his people on the top of, uh, of a mountain and the rain cloud begins to pour rain and it causes uh, this big lake to be formed. And then 
the hadith says uh, God commands the sun and the moon and the stars to run in the water, you know, to uh, reflect or cause some sort of reflection uh, in the water. And so they look into the water and it doesn't say how, but it does say that uh, from the gazing into the water at nighttime, the reflections of the stars and the suns and the moons and, and tracking their movements, uh, Joshua, son of Nun, was able to show the people, you know, uh, and tell each one of their birth dates and to teach them how to tell somebody's birth date by gazing into the reflection of the stars and the sun and the moon in a uh, dark mirror, which would have been the lake that was formed at night, because that's all, it would have been a black mirror, yeah. basically, that's reflecting um, that. And he was also, more interestingly, able to tell their death dates. So he's able to see when they're born and when they're going to die. And these people uh, ended up believing in the prophet because of that. And then they continue to have this power or this authority um, to, to tell, basically. It was a science. It wasn't really a power or authority. It was a science that they were able to calculate uh, the ages of mankind. And so they would always know who was going to die before it came time for them to die, which is a very useful science because then somebody can be totally prepared uh, for death and family members would know, okay, I only have 30 days left with mom or with dad or with my sibling or with my friend. And, and so they continued to have this until the time of David, another narration states. And David... Uh, ends up going to war against these people because after they had followed the prophet, they end up going astray. And uh, David, uh, every time he goes into battle with these people, soldiers from David's side would die, whereby soldiers from the, the city's side would, would, would never die. And David was confused and he prayed to God and he said, God, what's going on? I'm your king. I'm your vice chairman. I'm your, I'm your successor. I'm your messenger. You know, you're, you're the God of Israel. You're with me. And every time you send me out to battle against these people, uh, these people are uh, never losing a single soldier and I'm losing all of my soldiers. What is the secret behind this, you know? Uh, and God reveals to him, don't worry, David, they don't have any powerful force with them, nor am I with them. Uh, but okay. rather what they're doing is I had given them this knowledge a long time ago with a prophet. And so what they do is they calculate the ages and the death dates of the people. And they see all those people who their death has not been ordained yet. And they send them out to the battle to fight against uh, you, all those people who, who it's not time for them to die and all those people who it is time for them to die, they keep them back uh, in the city. So therefore, none of the people that fight you die, but, but your people, you don't have this science, this knowledge, and uh, therefore, uh, you're unable to distinguish between who it is that, uh, you know, their birthday has come or their death day has come. And uh, so God then caused the sun to delay, and he come. And when he caused the sun to delay, the movement of the sun, it became slower than usual. It messed up their entire calculations, 
and they lost that uh, science. And it says that uh, from that time, it says from that time it became makru uh, or hated or not advisable uh, by God and his messenger that people uh, look into the science of the of the stars. Uh, and also other narrations from the Ahl Bayt they say very explicitly that, uh, yes, the knowledge of astrology, it was a true science. You could tell from it the future. You could tell from it uh, many things. Uh, but after a couple of events happened, and they mentioned uh, three times that the sun was delayed or moved uh, from its place, that messed up the calculations, and now the science itself is not reliable. Uh, one time when God uh, you know, caused the calculations to be messed up for David, another time when the sun was uh, delayed for Joshua, son of Nun, mm-hmm. and a third time when uh, the sun was delayed for Amir al-Mu'minin Ali ibn Abi Talib. So. Wow. That is really incredible, the fact that it's something that you can even see in history, these three events, and people know about them generally, especially the Amir al-Mu'minin one is familiar to me. I've heard about that, but I didn't realize that it would actually have an effect on the astronomy of the skies and the heavens. And the science itself. Yeah, and uh, there were there were uh, so now from these narrations we see that that astrology was a real science, and that's what what's important to demonstrate. It's not something that just like ancient old ignorant people used to believe in for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, if the kings and the um, you know and the and the governments and the peoples of old took this science seriously to the point that it has survived until today that it was based on something real and uh, and and we know also from the narrations of the Ahl Bayt that not only was it real but it was a science like any other science uh, and it was from God that like God taught it uh, it was a yeah. prophetic science it was not uh, something which was haram or something that has to do with devil worship um, but rather, it was something that uh, the holiest of people um, practiced and they looked into and they studied. Uh, people from Enoch to Methuselah to, uh, to Noah to Joshua and uh, David, peace be upon them. And we also have narrations that in the time of the Prince of the Believers, السلام, uh, people asked the prince of the believers, uh, or they claim to be an astrologer. They claim to have knowledge of the stars. And then Amir al-Mu'mineen would expose them by uh, asking them a few questions. He would ask them, what is the star that if it rises, it causes the horses to rage? You know, well, what is the star that if it rises, it causes the cows to rage? What if, what is the star that if it rises, it causes the dogs to rage? And each time they would say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Hmm. And so Amir al would say, yes, you've told the truth, you don't know. So the question of Amir al proves that there are stars that have an effect on entire species of creatures. Wow. So there is a star, just like the, the moon can, can cause the tidal waves to rise, and also, it is a fact that most women uh, have periods around the time of a full moon. Uh, so there's an effect even that moon uh, 
uh, a moon can have or the, the full moon can have on, on humans in that regard. But there are also particular stars that will, a particular star that will have an effect on horses, but no other creatures. Another star will have an effect on cows. Another star will have an effect on dogs and uh, as such. And then the Minamominin asks the man, and so what do you guys say about Saturn? And, and then the so-called astrologers said, uh, we consider it to be a bad omen. So when this star, this planet, meaning uh, Saturn, would rise in the sky, uh, they would consider that to be a sign of bad fortunes or bad things to come. And then the Minamominin corrects him and he says, you've lied, but rather... Um, you know, that is the star of the vicegerents. Wow. Yeah. And in other narrations, the Ahl Bayt, they say that the star of Saturn is the star of Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib. That's amazing. And, and that's why Saturn has a ring, because the ring is like the crown that's around the head of the vicegerent or around the uh, head of uh, Imam Ali. That's a very beautiful link, honestly. Yeah, so then we have other narrations, Alia, um, that also uh, basically praise people um, who have used this science and connected it to the birth of prophets and messengers. And basically, they spoke about how, these narrations speak about how um, astrology would have been used as uh, one of the ultimate ways to identify the proof, right? So we have this law, right? The law of knowing the Hajjah, which consists of the will and consists of the knowledge and consists of the banner of Al-Bayalillah. Yes. Uh, but the, does it mean that they are the only ways that a person can identify the Hajjah? Uh, there are uh, other ways, and, and we know that from narrations that there was a companion that was confused on whether or not Imam Ali al-Rida was a true Imam, and they made istikhara, and based on his istikhara, he believed in him. Other people, they identify the Hajjah by asking God and going off of their dreams. Well, one of the ways that people identified the Hajjah was through astrology. And, uh, and by looking for that star which would rise that is connected to the promised savior or the prophet or the messenger of that time. In one narration, uh, the Ahl Bayt they speak about the time of Abraham and they say that in the time of Abraham, Nimrod uh, had an astrologer and that astrologer was actually the father of Abraham. And uh, the father of Abraham was an advisor to Nimrod and an astrologer. And uh, he basically tells Nimrod one day that he's seen something disturbing in the stars. Nimrod says what? The father of Abraham tells him, I saw that there's going to be born somebody who's going to destroy your kingdom. And Nimrod freaks out. That's how seriously he takes the advice of the father of Abraham, the astrologer advisor. Uh, he wouldn't have taken his advice seriously if there wouldn't have been many times and many issues that, and many things that the father of Abraham would have told him that would have came to pass. Yeah, of course. 
And so he commands that all of the women basically be brought into the city. All of the women. He said, no man, do not allow any man to be with his wife tonight. And he brings all of the the women and he separates them from the men. And he forbids them from having intercourse on one particular night. Which means that the science and the advice of Abraham's father, the astrologer, of Nimrod was so accurate that it could pinpoint to a particular night and hour uh, when the conception of a prophesized uh, king or person or messiah or savior would be. And so all of the people, uh, they abstained and he managed to separate them from their wives on that day. Uh, But the only person who actually went home and uh, had intercourse with their wife was Abraham's father, wow. uh, because he never it never crossed his mind that it was that it was him. That was maybe an aspect of the science that he didn't know or that was hidden by God uh, from him. And his wife became pregnant uh, to his surprise, and uh, he knew then that this son of his was actually uh, the one whom he had uh, seen in the in the stars. So there's an example uh, of of Abraham's father uh, being able to recognize that there's a hujjah that's coming uh, or a a special person that's coming by uh, looking into uh, these stars. Uh, There's another hadith which which also mentions that in the time of Moses, uh, the Pharaoh at that time, before Moses was born, uh, he had a dream. It was a disturbing dream where he sees this fire is coming out of Jerusalem and it's engulfing all of Egypt. So he goes to his his astrologers and his uh, dream interpreters and he says, what in the world have I seen? I've seen this disturbing dream and he narrates it to them. And they interpret the dream for him and they say that the meaning of the dream is basically that there's going to be born a man from the Hebrews who is going to uh, destroy your kingdom. And so Pharaoh uh, flips out and he gathers his astrologers and he tells them to look in the stars and find out when is this threat coming and coming and they track down the exact birth date of Moses. And so Pharaoh gives the order that all of the children um, that are born on that particular night are to be killed. So he doesn't do what Nimrod does. He's unable to gather all the people. And uh, he just decides that he's going to kill all of the newborn males. And uh, so there, once again, another narration stating that before the coming of another savior, which was Moses, another prophet messenger, the bad people, the forces of evil, were able to identify when he was going to come. And in the same way, uh, the, 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 another narration states that also at the time of the birth of Jesus, peace be upon him, there were people who looked into the star. They were magi. They were uh, followers of the Zoroastrian uh, religion. And uh, they found in the stars that soon there was going to be born this great prophet. And they were able to track down not just the birth date, but also the birth location. And that is the story that we find in the New Testament 
Testament in the scene of the birth of Christ where you have these three kings or these three magi uh, that had traveled from far away and they approach Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus once he's born and they they know him and who he is. They identify him. They believe in him uh, by looking in the stars. And uh, that is a very interesting uh, narration uh, because what it what it means is that not only is astrology a way um, that you can identify a proof of Allah, but also righteous people are praised. Those three kings were praised. Those three magi were were praised for um, uh, for using that science to uh, identify a Jesus because this bright star appeared. Yeah. And with that birth of that star in the, in the sky, they knew that as such would happen a birth uh, on the earth. Uh, that, and just as that star uh, became so bright and had a special place among the stars in the heaven, as such, uh, there would be born a human being who would be just as bright uh, for the people um of the earth. And so they believe in Jesus Christ and they prostrate to him. And another narration uh, basically says that the same thing happened uh, before the birth of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And that is that the uh, Hercules, who was the uh, king of the Romans uh, at the time, as well as Khusra, the king of the Persians, that both of them had consulted uh, with their astrologers and both of them had seen uh, in the stars uh, or their astrologers had seen in the stars that there was going to be born a man of, uh, of a great matter. And they asked their astrologers about the coming of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and they gathered information yeah, about him and and uh, lo and behold uh, many years later when the prophet was sent uh, he does end up addressing these two kingdoms and sending them letters and identifying himself and and speaking to them because they already knew uh, who he was and had already gotten news from their own sources and uh, just a, a side note that uh, if we if we look at the narrations of the Ahlul Bayt and we look at history and we look at the Bible and um, uh, we look at the words of the prophets and the messengers, I mean, in the Quran, you even have that Abraham looked in the Quran in the verse and he says, and he looked, uh, he looked once into the into the sky and he said, verily, I am sick. So Abraham was uh, the narration state and that he knew this science of astrology. And uh, one day he's walking, he looks in the sky, uh, he sees the stars, he reads them, he's able to tell that he's going to be sick. So he knows that he's sick, and diagnoses himself before wow. he actually feels uh, any um, any symptoms. And we see in these narrations how the tyrants would know if there was a threat coming. coming. And we know that uh, even though the narration stated that after the time of David and after the time of Joshua, uh, the calculations uh, became confused, we still see that uh, the Magi in the time of Jesus that came much after that, uh, they still have uh, that they had obviously corrected the errors and were able to, um, you know, uh, reestablish that science or it survives uh, to where they're able to identify Jesus, even though it's many, many years after the science was allegedly, um, you know, deemed corrupt. And it makes you wonder that if 
that was the sunnah of before. And God never changes his sunnah. And we know that these stories just keep repeating themselves. And that's why God places the stories of the prophets and the messengers in the Quran uh, in order that we may know that that which happened before will happen again. Just like the non-working scholars fought the prophets and the messengers before, they're also going to fight the Mahdi. Just like the leaders of the countries fought the prophets and the messengers before, they will also in this day and age fight the Mahdi. As such, the leaders and the kings who relied on astrologers in the past to know of the coming of the Mahdi, we can expect that the modern day leaders whom we already stated, and we can show you a clipping on the, uh, on the screen right now that uh, from an, an old newspaper article that shows that Ronald Reagan had um, relied on astrologers and that the White House presidents do depend on this science when making decisions to invade other countries. Um, we can see now clearly that uh, the leaders of these countries uh, had uh, looked in the stars and they had identified and known that the Mahdi was to appear in this day and age. And uh, for that reason, uh, we see that there's been this emphasis uh, in the past um, you know, couple decades uh, since 2001, not even 2001, but actually since 1991, uh, up until now with uh, Desert Storm 1 and then the invasion okay. of uh, Afghanistan and then the invasion of Iraq uh, with George W. Uh, uh, Bush Jr. And then you have you have also the uh, destruction of all of the Muslim countries and mm -hmm. uh, the wars that are continuously taking place uh, in the Muslim lands and the uh, constant insistence of westernizing uh, and controlling and building U.S. bases uh, in, the, in these countries, in the Middle East, it's all in anticipation of the emergence of the promised Mahdi that they saw his coming happening uh, in the stars. That, that is incredible. That explains so much. Because if you look at it from that angle, that there is a divine plan and there is something in the stars and they're able to look at it for sure, then... Of course, it would explain this, like you said, this influx of sudden change and them infiltrating and trying to be there and establish themselves there. That just explains it so much. Yes, it does. And we have Gnostic manuscripts too, Anya. Um, like uh, the, um, the Gospel of Judas. Um, and in this gospel, you have conversations that take place between Jesus Christ and Judas before his betrayal. Right after, you know, the, the Last Supper, uh, right before uh, his betrayal. And uh, from the many things that Jesus discusses with Judas, and, and there's a lot that we can say about this gospel, um, and that's, I'm going to cover that with Tiffany in the future episode. Um, but in what's important to us uh, in this part is that some of these conversations uh, that take place with Judas, between Judas and Jesus, surround 
the idea that Judas has this star above him. And this star that's above, that's connected to Judas, has led him astray. And Jesus tells Judas that everybody on the planet has a star that's above, you know. Um, and, and it reminds us of the verse of the Quran that says that every self has a guardian above it. And so there is this connection that is made between the people of the earth and the stars above. We knew that Jesus had a star, the vicegerents had a star that would appear when they appeared. Uh, we knew that there was stars that would affect the behavior. But now in the Gospel of Judas, we know that there are stars or planetary shining bodies in the heaven that correlate with every single uh, person that's on the earth. That it's not just Jesus that has a star, but it's also uh, every other person also has a star. Some people have bright stars. Some people have stars that you can't even see with the naked eye because they are so dim. And these are probably people that are quite dark or away from God or astray. And, and this matches some of the narrations from the Ahlul Bayt that are quite mystical in nature that were never before understood. Uh, one narration states that there was that the science of astrology was lost from the people, but it survived only in two households, a household from the Arabs and a household from the Indians. Uh, there's another narration which states that uh, basically somebody came forward, a real knowledgeable man, and he goes to somebody from the non-Arabs, uh, you know, a Gentile man, uh, perhaps a European, perhaps in, uh, you know, an African, somebody who's not uh, a Semite from the children of Sam. And he basically tries to teach him the knowledge of the stars. And he asks him, where is Jupiter? And they say, I don't know where Jupiter is. And then he abandons him and decides to look for a new student. And then he takes a student from the Indians. He chooses a household from India, and he chooses uh, one particular person from that household uh, to teach him. And he, he studies under him for many years, and then at the end of his studies, he asks him the same question that he asked the student before that failed. Where is Jupiter? And so the man from India begins to calculate, and he looks into the stars. And then he, the narration says, he looks over at his teacher, and he says, by my calculations, you are Jupiter. And the moment that he says this, the narration says he gasps and dies. And that's the end of the narration. 
And so the people use it to say, oh, okay, well, the science of astrology was real, but they don't really focus on this second part, which is more important. And that is that Jupiter had a manifestation or an appearance on the earth. That what this teacher was wanting to pass along to him, this heavy science, this heavy knowledge that nobody can handle except if they're a prophet messenger or a close angel or a believer whose heart has been tested for faith or else they die. Part of that knowledge was the knowledge that there's a connection between the stars and between the earth. That the earth is a place where the rays of the stars are able to enter into human beings that are born and animate them. The earth is a realm where the stars are able to take on avatars so that they can mingle with one another and have a human experience whereby they forget who they were and their origin uh, for a, a lifetime. That's amazing. That is incredible. And the significance of stars and um, how much people find them important, they look up to them, they they actually, it's so much in, in pop culture, it's in literature, people talk about it all the time, but there is this weird familiarity with them, right? And this fascination for the stars. And what you've just said right there is, um, kind of explains it a little bit, I think. You no, know, it explains it a lot. It's and it's amazing. further it's further proven uh, this is not just a a theory that's made up you know by me it is something that is uh further proven and confirmed uh, from the words of the because you have this manuscript of hafta sharif and in hafta sharif it has a whole door about the heavenly bodies and we mentioned the hafta sharif before this mystical book that yes. was you know, written by Mufaddal ibn Omar, whereby he's having these conversations uh, with Imam Jafar al-Sadiq. And so he asks him about the heavenly bodies. And Imam al-Sadiq, he says very clearly, he says that uh, these uh, heavenly bodies, uh, they appear that way in the skies for those that are unlike them. So... What does that mean? It means that it means that a star does not see another star or a planet in the same way that we see uh, the planets and the stars. Okay. That they only look that way from our perspective, but from the perspective of the stars and the planets, uh, they look a different way. It's like the stars and the planets. Maybe their eyes they have insight or eyes that whereby they can see or a consciousness that they may perceive each other and themselves in a different appearance than that which we are seeing because we are merely 3D creatures or have these eyes that only perceive 5% of light. So when we look at it, we only see this shining uh, sphere or this shining circle uh, that's in the sky, but in reality, it's something else. And so uh, Imam Sadiq uh, goes on further and he explains that these uh, shiny objects that you see in the sky, these are the bodies of the believers. 
that were made for them out of their good deeds. So it's kind of like, just like in The Lion King, except it was said by Imam al-Sadiq <laughs> many, many years before The Lion King, uh, you know, or Pinocchio where they're wishing upon a star, you know, and the fairy goes up and she becomes a star in the heavens and all that. Uh, it was already stated by the Ahl Bayt that good people, good lions, uh, like Mufasa told Simba, when they die, they become uh, somebody, exactly, yes. you know, because because of their works. Imam Sadiq he's telling uh, Al-Mufaddal that, that when a believer has really good works on the earth, out of the works of the believer, you know, uh, is there, is there uh, you know, that's how much that their star shines in the sky. <clears throat> I wish we could know how they see each other because obviously, like you said, we only see what we see as human beings. But that is so fascinating to know that the way that these planetary bodies or these stars look at each other, it's a whole different perspective. Yeah. So what is the light bodies? I mean, because he says that these are their bodies that was created for them out of out of light, uh, out of their deeds. Yeah. And, and uh, they're existing in the heavens up above. Uh, the heavens are the realms whereby the jinn are stealing news of what's to come. It's the realm of dreams. It's the realms of where the souls go. Um, you know, when they're ascending up to God uh, after that, uh, it is the realm that people used to look into the skies mm -hmm. at night and uh, the people of, of ancient uh, used to believe that when a person dies that his soul uh, had to pass by all of these uh, archons that guard uh, the uh, heavens and they considered each one of the planets uh, to be an archon so uh, you go to the first gate which is like the moon for example and then you'd be questioned by it and then if your soul passes by then you'd be questioned by another one and another one of the planets wow. whether it's saturn jupiter mars or uh, the sun or mercury or venus until you reach uh, the the final destination and that is the seventh heaven or the realm that's above the seventh heaven um, which is beyond the uh, seven celestial bodies that they could identify uh, at that time which was basically sun moon uh, mercury venus uh, mars uh, jupiter saturn they didn't know uranus and neptune and, right. and, and pluto back then and uh, so uh, the implication here is that is that the planets that are in the skies are the souls. It is the bodies that the souls um, or that which is beyond the soul uh, inhabits in the heavens. Mm. Uh, it is the light whereby they get to uh, rest. And whenever they incarnate, that light shines on a particular uh, world and animates a body from that particular world. And so all of the stars in the sky, Imam Sadiq is saying, they incarnate on the planet Earth by shining into um, individuals. And that is the entrance of the soul into the body, is the shining of the star into the, um, 
into the physical body uh, below. And that's how the vicegerents were able also to uh, identify whether or not somebody was a good person or a bad person or perhaps what incarnation they had. One of the methods that they were able to identify was knowing uh, which star it was that was shining into uh, which body. And sometimes somebody would go and that star would no longer shine or animate on a particular uh, person until a future date. And then uh, that would happen. And we have also in, in uh, modern culture, we have, um, we have a uh, Mark Twain, a particular author. Uh, he had also been born when a comet appeared, uh, when, when a certain comet appeared in the sky. And he believed that once that comet came back again, uh, he would leave this world. He said, I entered in with this comet appearing and I will exit with this comet appearing. Uh, and that's exactly what happened is that uh, his death date took place on the, he died and left this world on the same date that that same comet passed by again, uh, the one that passed by when he uh, came into this world. Uh, so religious people, non-religious people, narrations from the Ahl Bayt they all confirm uh, that there is a connection between uh, the heaven above and the events on earth below, a connection between the celestial uh, bodies above and the uh, individuals uh, below. And uh, we know also from uh, the words of uh, um, Imam Ahmed al-Hassan, the, the Imani and the messenger of Imam al-Mahdi in this day and age to people, that that is exactly what the uh, celestial bodies are above, that they are the souls of the uh, believers in the heavens above and uh, that um, and and I can I guess we'll end the episode by maybe identifying a few of them uh, for uh, the people. So, uh, for example, the 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 star of Sirius, uh, which is called the Dog Star, uh, and uh, the Freemasons, uh, you know, it's a central star in Freemasonry, and it represents the one eye. Uh, because uh, the reverse reading of the dog star is the god star. Uh, and uh, they consider it to be the uh, sun behind the sun because it is the brightest uh, star with the most colors in the night sky. And it was a very significant star that was worshipped uh, by many ancient cultures and civilizations, including um, the uh, ancient Egyptians who considered it to be Isis who would accompany uh, Osiris uh, in the night sky. Uh, Osiris was represented by the constellation of Orion, while Sirius would be uh, basically Isis. Mm. And uh, Isis, or the eye star, or the dog star, or the god star that is uh, worshipped and central uh, in Freemasonry and considered to be the source of all life uh, on Earth, uh, this star that is mentioned also uh, in the verse in the Quran in which God uh, uh, says, and verily he is the Lord of Sirius, uh, to emphasize that even Sirius himself, this star that people think is responsible for all life on earth, that even this star has a, a Lord above it. 
this star is the star of Iblis. Uh, this is uh, Satan, uh, Lucifer, uh, so to speak. That is his soul. And that is why uh, they claim that he was responsible. This star is responsible for all life on earth because, uh, because he's the angel that was used by God uh, in the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad to uh, create the uh, physical universe. And he's the uh, prince of this world that was mentioned by Jesus in the New Testament. Mm -hmm and uh, the one who rules uh, this realm it is Sirius and uh, Sirius is uh, Iblis uh, and you have uh, the uh, planet Earth uh, that we are uh, currently uh, residing on this also uh, is a soul and it is the soul of the uh, prophet Adam uh, who uh, we all reside on and we're having this experience on currently and uh, and uh, that's why it's all about uh, mankind in this uh, incarnation because the the stars are shining on this earth and uh, the stars have shined on other earths and those other uh, earths or planets used to be um, and are and and still are and were uh, souls of other prophets or messengers or individuals um, and there's worlds that the stars are shining on simultaneously and uh, these souls are incarnating at the same time on multiple planets or in multiple worlds but this is a topic that I don't want to get into uh, too much because I don't want to uh, confuse people uh, at the moment and you have uh, the planet Mars uh, who is mentioned uh, in the narrations of the Ahl Bayt uh, uh, when they're speaking about the time of the Qa'im there's many narrations that speak about a planet that appears in the sky uh, it's a sign of the rise of the Qa'im uh, this planet uh, has uh, two moons or two accompanying comets it's described as a red planet a planet that terrifies the Arabs so just as there's some stars that have an effect on uh, the dogs or the horses or the um, the cows, uh, this star has a particular effect, and it's an effect not of rage but of terror uh, that uh, is stricken into the hearts of Arab uh, people in particular, and it is the star of the Qa'im, and it is the red planet and the red planet is mars and mars has two moons uh, one moon is called uh, fear and the other moon is called uh, terror and uh, those are uh, the two moons that accompany uh, the red planet and so the red planets the cotton that appears uh, in this day and age in order to uh, take vengeance uh, for muhammad and the family of muhammad and it is the uh, the planet uh, that was identified with war and with bloodshed and it is the uh, planet that um, is the soul of the cotton of the family of Muhammad that, that's amazing especially the the aspect that when we look at the hadith that say that the coin will bring this new matter which will be heavy on the Arabs and they're sticking to their old um, Islamic Arab-centric way of understanding and their old covenant because he brings a new covenant. 
and the fact that Mars is having that effect on on this nation, that's incredible. The synchronicity between the two facts. It is. And also, I think it's it's uh, worthy of note that it was known to many of the Muslims that when the Qaim does appear, he brings the the true knowledge of these matters of astrology and astronomy, and that they were hidden and they were um, obscure to the people for so long, and they were waiting to have that clarity. And I'm really excited to learn more about these facts and the signs from you. So thank yeah, you thank so much. Thank you so much, Ali. And, and, and it shouldn't be something that's strange to Muslims because, uh, Absolutely. you know, people believe that when, when, when they dream, they see things that are in the kingdoms of the heavens, right? In the Malakut. And, and uh, we have in the Quran, uh, the dream of Joseph, when he saw his uh, father and his mother and his brothers uh, in the kingdoms of the yes. heavens, he saw them as the sun and the moon and the, right. and the planets. And so, uh, for that reason, uh, nobody should think that uh, any of this stuff uh, is is uh, strange at all. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Ali. Thank you so much for this um, experience of a cycle. God bless. It was amazing. You.